Welcome to Empire Sports Media New York Giants podcast, Keeping Up with the G-Men. I'm your host, Alexander Wilson, with my two co-hosts, Anthony Rivardo and Christian Morell. Today, we're going to be going over various topics, including which quarterbacks will be on the active roster, where Saquon Barkley fits into the top players in the NFL, and who could be cut victims this summer. So to start off, we're going to go over Alex Tanney and Kyle Aletta and, you know, where they fit in this quarterback battle. Because, you know, as we know, Eli Manning's the expected starter and uh, Daniel Jones is close behind, but he's in a developmental season where we can expect him to be sitting quietly and just kind of uh, watching Eli manage and prepare and learning from those uh, processes. So I want to talk first about kind of Alex Tanney and where he's sitting this summer. So far, he's actually had a really good off season, and that's surprising. He's actually might have looked the best so far over Eli and Jones, which is kind of kind of funny. But I see him as a potential cut uh, alongside Lauletta. I think they keep three quarterbacks on the roster. What I honestly think is that Lauletta is probably going to be cut and then put on the um, the practice squad because no one's going to re- sign Lauletta if you cut him. So I you don't think so? Is, I don't personally thinks so. i mean who would sign him he's like a nobody he was terrible last season when we saw him for like the minimal snaps i mean do you think someone else would sign him he's, i mean there, there's so many better options out there well a lot of people thought he fell in the draft to the fourth round so i think the league in general has at least a backup grade on him yeah i think someone would definitely make a move for him i i, I think maybe they could even try and trade him if they wanted to you think so what would they be able to get for him though i mean as a fourth round pick that's not bad but he was isn't was Richmond a D? It was still D one though, right? It was, yeah. Okay, it's like a tier two D one school. I mean, it's not. It's not like a. He's not a bad player. I just think he's so raw. Like, there's a lot to be uh, added to his repertoire and his his skills skill set isn't refined enough to be an NFL starter. I think he's a a perennial backup. If anything, I think they just really should keep Tanny on the active roster based on his practice experience. Um, like notice I say practice experiences neither of them have had game experience um, I, I just think like I trust Tanny more than Lauletta at this point um, I mean given neither of them will play if, if Eli goes down it's Jones all the way I mean in worst case scenario if both of them could go down knock on wood I think Tanny's better, the better option to play I mean at that point the season's over so I mean might, might as well just throw Lauletta in I guess um, which would be the argument but like, do you think like what do you think of Tanny so far? Because he's actually looked pretty good so far this summer. I think Tanny would be who they keep around, regardless, just because of the veteran leadership that he has, and he could also assist Eli in getting Daniel Jones ready, where Kyle Lalletta wouldn't really be able to do that. He hasn't been in the league as long, obviously only one season. Tanny's been in a lot longer, and I think that. Tanny looked pretty good in preseason last year. I think he looked a little bit better than Lawletta did, and he's looked better in camp so far this year. So I, I would just say cut ties with Lawletta, move on from him. Now that we have Daniel Jones, there's no point in having another young quarterback on the roster. Well, I agree that Tanny helps in 2019, but looking at the future, I would rather have Lawletta as a potential backup. But yeah, Tanny, like you said, he's had a very good spring. Uh, I'm just not really worried about 2019 that much. I mean, if there was something to compete for this year, I would say Tanny all the way because he has a great spring. He's had a great spring, like you said. Right, and I think that's kind of where your argument makes the most sense in, in that the Giants aren't winning the Super Bowl this year, so you might as well try and develop Lauletta 
and to a point where he is better than Tanny. And I think maybe this season would be give him that extra push to you know surpass Tanny in terms of value. Uh, if Laleta is in, I'm pretty much turning off the TV anyway because this the season is is gone. It's, <laughs> it's over. Um, but Daniel Jones is is a clear backup. There's no question he's going in if he if something happens to Eli or you know the um, just he's not performing well enough. Um, but I think that that's an interesting you know backup situation where there is a position battle going on there. It's not one that's really worthy of talking about because they don't really have an impact on any specific game, especially in the regular season. But it, it's something to keep track of just because Laleta is a player that they were high on last year, clearly drafting at number uh, in the fourth round. So it, it's, it's something to keep, an eye, keep your eye on, but um, I wouldn't look too much into it. Other than that, I do want to look at something PFF put out this week, and it's in regard to Saquon Barkley. So they kind of ranked him, or ranked the top 50 or 100 players, and they put Barkley in the 43rd spot. And I kind of want to talk about if you guys agree or disagree with this. So as a biased fan, I think that's absolute nonsense. And I think that he should be a top 15 player. Um, But as an unbiased fan or beat writer rather i see why he's there i mean he he's only coming off his rookie season i mean he was amazing with over 2,000 all-purpose yards and he did it under a terrible offensive line in the first year of an offense that most the entire team was was uh getting used to and adapting um so that production you know says he should be a top 15 player but the fact that he was a rookie says he should he shouldn't be because you know I think consistency is a really big part of this and if he's if he's two three years in and he's doing this consistently he's a, he's a top ten player no question just based on his skill set and, the, and what he, we've seen him do over the course of uh, just a year um, but I think forty third might still be a little too high from an unbiased perspective I think thirty to thirty five is more what I'm thinking what do you guys think about that I mean, I'm completely biased no matter what because I love Saquon. <laughs> I'm a big Giants fan, of course, but I, I just think he's the best running back in the NFL. I don't. I, I understand that he's only been in the league for one year, but the production that he has from both a rusher and a receiver, he does them both so spectacularly well, so leaps and bounds ahead of the competition. He, I think he should have been ahead of Kamara. That's the other running back that they put on the list. And I, I think maybe both of them were too low on the list. They could have been higher. I think Saquon, there's players on here that, I mean, Kawan Short, defensive interior. He's Saquon is just, he's a playmaker. He gets it done in all aspects of the game. I, I think that he is basically Kamara, but better. He's the better runner, and he's just as good of a, of a receiver, in my opinion. So I think that he should have been at least ahead of Kamara on the list. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I appreciate your, your patience, Alex, but I just think he didn't do anything this year that isn't repeatable. I mean, I think we just saw what's coming for, for years to come, really. And the thing that I don't really like about PFF is they don't really know player assignments. They don't know about minor injuries. There's a lot of things that are really not tangible. But Saquon pretty much made this whole team tread water. And I don't think that's easy to do for one single player, especially a running back. Right, and that's where I agree with you in the sense that Saquon did kind of make this team better than it should have been. He made Eli better than he should have been, the offensive line better, kept the defense off the field. He really impacted the game on an overall view. Like if you see 
you know, just the way he kept the offense alive and just kept the ball in possession of the offense. Like, he, he really impacted every single unit on the team. And that's where, like, his impact comes in, his significance comes in on the field. And I think that's where I agree with you. And he should be well, I guess, below 43rd, maybe in the 20s. Um, I think he still needs to be proven that his consistency um, is a major factor. And I think that's what they're factoring. Do you know where Kamara actually landed in this? 36th. So he was at 36. I think he only gets there because he's, what was his second year last year? So I think they value the the consistency factor a little bit more than just a single season of production. Um, but I think Saquon, if he does what he did again, he's going to skyrocket into the top 10. Well, if they're grading on 2018 alone, there's no reason to not have him in the top 10. So right. I, I don't know if they're actually factoring that in or not. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the article is the best, the 50 best players entering the 2019 season. So they've got Brady towards the top. So I think it's just the the player's career and how they think they're going to do next year. All right, that's more understandable then. Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, if it was like the best players from 2018, I think Saquon would be a top 10. Yeah, you you would easily. think Mahomes would be first, but he's sixth because it is based on their consistency, their all-around career performance, and what they think they'll do next year. Okay. I guess that's pretty fair then for 43rd. Just I can accept on. that, yeah. Yeah. Nah, I mean, nah he should be higher. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's talk about Tom Brady for a second. I think that he is such a system quarterback, and I know I'll probably get, get some stuff for this, but I don't. if you plug Tom Brady into any other team without Bill Belichick and um, Josh McDaniels, he doesn't know what's going on. Like... If you see how he manages the game, every player is is very very aware of what's happening and what their job is. Everybody has a job. There's it's it's so specific, and they've all organized this to a point where Tom Brady is like the catalyst. And if you see how many times he throws passes to wide open receivers, I, I've seen a lot of times they use the same structure for their plays, but they run different routes consistently. Like they'll, they'll line up exactly the same as the, as the play before, but they'll all run different routes. And it's, it just creates unpredictability, and I think that's where like the offense is really dominated and why Tom Brady is considered so great. But I think without their scheme, like he's not that great. If you put him in a position where he has no time like Eli, I don't think he performs at the level that we've seen him perform for, for so long. I, I could agree to an extent. I'm sure that, you know, the system obviously helps him a lot, and you just got to give that to the coaching staff. McDaniels is excellent. Belichick, the way he's constructed the team, they're, they're masterminds in New England. But I, I still think that Tom Brady is an incredible talent. Of course. You look at the system, and it helps a lot, and you're talking about how receivers get open and stuff like that. They're schemed open. But when it comes down to a fourth quarter, you know, and Tom Brady has the ball more more likely than not you're expecting him to deliver on this on this final drive to win the game and that's just you can't chalk that up to the system that's Tom Brady being the great player that he is yeah the way i see it you could probably split it down the middle and say you know Belichick would have got 3 rings elsewhere and Brady would have got 3 rings elsewhere i mean i mean Brady's just so accurate still and it's hard, it's hard for me to, to imagine, imagine he wouldn't have had a very successful career somewhere else. Right, and honestly, I think with Brady, if you look at Brady, um, he even said, he was like, Aaron Rodgers is better than I am. And I th- 
agree with him. We've seen Aaron Rodgers take garbage teams and make them look fantastic at times. Just his athleticism alone and the way he runs, he can run with the ball and just deliver strikes 50 yards on the field is, is it's, it's, it's not, not normal. It's, it's something that you won't see in an everyday quarterback or even a quarterback. The best quarterback in the, in the next decade, we probably won't see a guy as good as Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I think that's where there's an argument. Like if there's, if whether Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers is better, um, I like Rodgers because you can you could probably plug him into any team and he will succeed. But Brady is so specific to the Patriots and like they know how to win Super Bowls using him and using you know his mentality and and what works for him. And it just it just blows my mind that no other teams can figure it out. Like just figure out how to stop them and and like kudos to the Giants for doing it twice. And I and you know I'll always make fun of Boston fans. Like every time I meet a Boston fan, I'm like you know. I really like don't hate the Patriots at all because we beat you guys twice, and I just rub it in their face, even though it was like years ago. I just have to like just say it, like you know I don't I don't hate you guys like I hate the Jets, and I know like people are like oh it's a New York team you know you shouldn't hate the Jets. I hate the Jets like I hated um, Rex. I hated everything about them. Um, I don't know why. It just was my just how I grew up. Just my friends were all Jets fans, and it's just like I hate them. Well, the the thing with Brady and Rodgers that you were talking about, and it's similar to how I always felt with Odell when he was on the Giants and the debate of him versus Brown and Julio. It's about, is he the most talented player at his position or is he the best player at his position? I think that there's a difference because you talk about Rodgers and he's got insane talent. He can make throws off platform, launch that thing 50 yards, and he's carried bad teams and he's not in an incredible system. But then you look at Brady and he's just so crafted. He's just so perfect in that system and that's what makes him the best, all the championships that he's won. Rodgers hasn't done that, so I, I, I think Brady's the better player, but Rodgers is the more talented player, and I always thought Odell was the most talented receiver. He was just held back by his offensive system and his quarterback, and you've seen Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, they've thrived with better quarterbacks and better systems, and I think there's a difference between a talented and a better player. Yeah, I agree, because I think Aaron's raw ability is far past Tom Brady's, but so much of the game is mental, but it is fun to imagine what Rodgers could have done with Belichick. Absolutely. It's kind of like blows my mind to think, you know, how did Eli Manning win two Super Bowls? Like if you look at him as like an objective standpoint, he like isn't that great of a quarterback. I love Eli, don't get me wrong, but like he doesn't run. He needs he needs a ton of time to to actually operate an offense efficiently. And they gave him that for those two Super Bowls. They gave him a good offensive line and tons of weapons. And he's like that kid in, in middle school that they just, like, plucked him off the bench and stuck him in left field. And they were like, come on. And they were like, do your best. And the ball was hit to him, and he just made every catch. And then he got to the plate and made every – and just, you know, came in clutch every time. He's the most clutch quarterback you, you can ask for. Um, when it comes to the playoffs, he just turns into a different player. And I don't know what it is about him that, that sparks that, like – how you can play so average during the regular season, but the second you get to the pro, the postseason, you become another player, and it's like that's what makes Eli special, though. That that like that's his it factor. That when he gets to the next level, he shines, he rises to the occasion, and I don't know, I can't figure it out for the life of me what it is that actually drives that. I, don't I know, really think it's Eli. Yeah, I really think it's because he doesn't get nervous, and a lot of other players in the postseason start 
uh, you know, thinking twice about what they're going to do. But Eli is always just Eli. It doesn't matter if he just threw a touchdown pass or a pick six. So, you know, that's I think it's just the lack of nerves in the postseason. He's just always unfazed. He's like a silent assassin to me. Hmm. And he just sometimes he just gets hot. And then he goes on those runs like he did in 2011, 2012, which he did not have a good offensive line that year, like you said. It was pretty bad. But, yeah, I love Eli. I'm just too big of a fan. I'm a bit of an apologist, too. And he just he goes on these cold streaks, of course, and it's awful. But when, he, when he's hot, it's just like it's fire. Right. And, and you know, that's, that's why I'm, like, still hoping for Eli. Every season it's, I go through the same – just like process of emotions and it's like I hate Eli like I don't want him to be the quarterback anymore and then and then, you know it comes around he's looking really good in this in the summer and preseason and I'm like oh like maybe he could still do it and then we lose like majority of the games and I'm like oh but it's not Eli's fault it's everybody else's fault and like that's the same process that we've been going through for years and even in 2016 when we made the playoffs like he had a great year but it was because People didn't really understand how to defend OBJ yet. Like, they were just running slant routes every single play, and he was taking 90% of them to the house. And, like, teams just didn't know how to defend against that, and, and I think that's really the, what spurred that. And then when he got to the playoffs, he OBJ and the boat trip and everything, you know, that just that just didn't help. And Eli, what is Eli going to do? He put the ball on the money multiple times. They dropped, what, two or three touchdown passes? Like, there's nothing you can do to stop that. Eli played his, his best. Um, but that that's kind of an interesting thought to me that, you know, looking back, why Eli was so good. And I mean, he's, he, like you said, he's a silent assassin. He doesn't really go crazy. He doesn't, he doesn't have that just intense factor to him like Tom Brady does when he's yelling at his offensive lineman to play better. Eric Flowers got away with murder on the left, on the left tackle position. Like, I don't understand how they kept him there for so long when they could have plugged in anybody off the street. And, play, and he would have probably played better than Eric Flowers. Eli Manning was running for his life, and Manning didn't even say anything. He wouldn't even go up to Flowers and be like, you know, you play like crap today. Or like, you need to step it up because you're going to get me killed. Like, I'm having nightmares every night because of you. Like, like he, he literally never even, we never even saw video of any of that. And, you know, Tom Brady would have been in his face. I bet you if you put Eric Flowers on the Patriots today, Tom Brady makes him into an all-pro, and suddenly he's making $10 million a year. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, like, some people can just bring out the best, and other players, um, and I think Eli did that with like what we talked about last week. Anthony, Eli does that by setting the example, and you know doing things right and putting the ball where it needs to be. And that's kind of why I think Victor Cruz eventually emerged as like a really great player because Eli really put the ball in the money for him and like really built his confidence up. Um, and I remember that preseason game where he had those two one-handed catches. He had three scores against the Jets. And afterwards, Rex Ryan's like, "Did you got something here?" And Tom Coughlin's like, "I know." And like Tom Coughlin had no idea what he was talking about at the time. He just was shaking his head. And like he walked up and he was like, "Oh wow, you know, if this guy Victor Cruz." Like meanwhile, he's like doesn't even realize Victor Cruz is about to win them a Super Bowl um, the next season. So it's like these things happen. You know, that's why I'm really excited about guys like Darius Slayton. Like you don't know what's what's involved. There's C.J. Conrad, the tight end, undrafted. Like these guys have so much potential. Um, you really don't know. You just see, like, them from an objective viewpoint going into the summer, and there, there's so much to talk about, but there's not much film to work off of. Um, but I'm super excited to see where some of these guys go. Um, but for the next segment, I, I want to dive into a few players that I think will be cut. Um, so three surprise veterans, actually, that will be cut. So the people, I, the first guy I want to talk about is 
Cody Latimer. I think he could be cut this year, and it all kind of relies on Corey Coleman, and if he emerges as that number three player. They have so much talent at wide receiver, um, you know, with Alonzo Russell, uh, Corey Coleman, Cody Latimer, Darius Slayton. They have a ton of guys behind Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, and that's kind of where I think the guy with the biggest cap hit. I think Latimer has like a $1.4 million cap hit this year. Um, he's expendable if Coleman emerges as a number three guy and Slayton kind of slots in behind him and rotates, um, gets some playing time. Do you guys think that Latimer is going to be cut if Coleman plays well, or do you think that kind of the opposite, actually? I don't see Latimer being cut because he also provides value in special teams. He was a decent kick returner with the Giants, and he was with the Broncos when he was there, too. It's all about being healthy with him, though, and I don't know if he'll be able to stay healthy, but I think he's shown enough when he's on the field that he can definitely be the number three receiver. Yeah, I think special teams really gives him his place on this team because we have a couple other guys who are somewhat tall but they're not really built the way Latimer is and I think he would be a really good gunner right and I think that's kind of where his where his value lies but I don't necessarily think he needs to be there I think they can put Corley Ballantyne in that gunner position over Latimer um, and you know you know utilize him in his first season and cut Latimer just because of his cap hit because it, as a return man they have Jabril Peppers, so they don't need Latimer, and they don't, you know, they can use Coleman instead. I, his really only value here is as a gunner, like you said, and I think Ballantyne kind of fills that role anyway. Um, so I see him as being a potential cut victim. Um, the next guy is Kyle Lauletta, and we talked to him about him a little bit before, and I think that, you know, if if it comes down to keeping one quarterback beyond Daniel Jones and Eli Manning, it, it has to be Tenney at this point just based on his value and his um, expertise of the game up to this point. I don't think anyone picks Lauletta uh, up if we cut him. He can be signed to the practice squad. There's so many better options out there than him. Um, he, he's such an under-the-radar guy, and if someone does pick him up, it doesn't really matter because we still have Daniel Jones. is kind of an afterthought at this point. Um, but uh, I, do you guys still agree with that? I, I know you, know you were saying before how you think it, 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 at this point – in his second year, he might as well just develop because the Giants aren't winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, this it's not really like a camp battle. It's its more of a preseason battle. We're going to have to wait right. a while to see this one. Whoever performs better in preseason is probably the one that you, you would want to go with. Yeah, man, I don't know. I'm just, I can't move off of the, the rebuild view where which guy gives me more value in three or four years, Lawletta or Tanny. Not that either one is signed that far. But Laletta is going to be the only one around with those two, you know, in three, four years. And Tanny has thrown 14 passes in the NFL in six years. So he might know, you know, what's going on. But in six years, you can't manage to throw with him more than 14 passes. I mean, teams obviously don't want you on the field. So at that point, I would stick with my draft pick and not throw another one in the wastebasket like they did with Davis Webb. Right, and let me just say for a second how amazing it is. Like, is it not the best job in the world to 
literally be a backup quarterback for your entire career. <laughs> Not only do you get to avoid the whole CTE thing, but you just make millions of dollars <laughs> hanging out with NFL stars. I mean, nobody knows your name. Like, I'm sure half of them don't even know Alex Tanney. Like, he's just kind of that guy in the red shirt. But, like, for the most part, like, that's the best job. Like, I want to be a backup quarterback. You don't, have to, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to do anything. Like, you're never discriminated against. You, all you got to do is just throw practice, practice passes to people and, like, not play and just chill on the sideline. Like, that's the best job ever. <laughs> um, I'm but, sure it doesn't take a toll on you. Yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, what is his shoulder getting some work in? Like, that's it. Like, he gets to work out for free. He gets to hang out with, like, NFL stars with Saquon and, like, make millions of dollars doing what? Like, I, I guarantee you any of us work harder at our jobs than he does. <laughs> so, uh, back to reality. I kind of want to go over our last player. And this is an interesting one. And the reason is because we have a ton of value and talent already at this position. I think there's better usage for this roster spot um, in another place. So, if it wasn't a veteran on the Giants, I'd say Scott Simonson. But since, I, since I'm factoring in the cap in here, I'm going to go with Fred Ellison. Um, I think that Ellison could be expendable because they got Scott Simonson on a really cheap deal for one year, and CJ Conrad is looking um, is looking really good. I really like this guy's potential, um, and he's kind of my dark horse for this season upcoming. But Ellison is is a very is a very strict strict player for specific needs. He's he's really there just to block, and he can catch passes, but he's really there just to help Saquon Barkley break out onto the open field. And I think upgrading the offensive line kind of re- makes his position redundant or makes his usage. Um, and they can kind of plug Scott Simonson in there and Evan Ingram and just create more unpredictability. I just don't think there's a need for Ellison anymore. So that's kind of why I think he should be cut, especially considering he's taking up 5.7 mil cap hit this year with 2.5 and dead. So, you know, cutting him opens up some, some cap space and a little bit of room for them to maneuver in the... Um, in the secondary market after other veterans get cut to fill in maybe some depth behind Antoine Bethea, um, even the defensive front. Like so, there's something there's, there's positions there that need some assistance. And I think that getting rid of Ellison and leaving the position, the tight end position with three capable players is not a bad idea. Yeah. I'd agree with you there. I, I'm not sure if Ellison really needs to be under that large contract anymore. I think obviously Evan Engram is the starting tight end if he, if he stays healthy, but Red Ellison is just a blocking tight end. We've got a pretty good fullback on the roster with Elijah, Elijah. Penny, so yeah. sometimes he can go out there and you know, do some blocking that Ellison won't be able to if he's not on the team. But also C.J. Conrad is a pretty underrated blocker, and if he can develop into the player that we want him to, then I don't see a reason for Ellison to still be on the team. Yeah, kind of with the same logic of the rebuild and looking years down the road. Uh, one of those younger tight ends will still be around when Ellison is not. And Ellison is 30 years old now, so we've probably seen the best of him at this point. So just from a rebuild perspective, that's that's why I would want to move on from him because in a win-now scenario, I, I'd really like to keep him. But when I project what I think the Giants will do, I think they'll probably keep him around because of his connection to Shermer back in Minnesota and probably just because they're a run-first team. And I, I like C.J. Conrad, but he's under 250 pounds, so I, I want to see it before I believe it. Right. I guess that, that honestly makes sense to me. In terms of the rebuild, though, I think it's a great um, argument to make just because you might as well give a guy like Conrad more playing time 
Um, that way you can develop him and, and really extract the most value quickly because we know next season is really the start of a new era, especially if Eli's gone. Um, so I think that's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Um, but for our final segment, Anthony, I'm going to let you take over for this and kind of give us an idea of you know, what we're about to do. Sure, we're just going get to get to know each other's opinions and favorite players and stuff like that a little better. So we'll first go around and say who our favorite player of all time is, and I'm sure you guys could guess it by now. It's For me, it's, it's Eli Manning. He's the only quarterback I've ever watched for the Giants because I'm only 17. I've been watching him my whole life, and he's just what made me fall in love with Giants football. He's always been such a classy stand-up dude, and, you know, the – the two Super Bowl runs were just magical, and he's just been, I, I mean, I just feel really lucky to watch our team have a quarterback that good and that consistent for that long. That's, I guess that's honestly a, a good way to put it. <laughs> At 17 years old, I mean, there's nothing else really to say. I mean, the only other player I could think of would be Saquon Barkley, but you've seen some pretty good stuff happen in Eli's career so far. Mm-hmm. I remember falling out of my chair the first time I saw him win a Super Bowl, and that catch by, by uh, David Tyree, I think I literally passed out, and I was like, how old was I? 2007? I was like like 11 years old. So I was, I was in it, guys. You know, I was, I was there from the, from the, from the get-go, and I've been, I, I swear to God, my, my blood is literally blue. That shit runs blue, man. It's, I remember I have a picture like, that just came out. My, my friend just sent me of us as two Giants players like when we were like six years old for Halloween, like you could imagine how scary we were because we were big blue and mean, but <laughs> my favorite player um, of all time is actually not a Giants player. So I kind of want to, there's a little story behind this too. So my favorite player of all time is actually Jerry Rice. And the reason is beyond the fact that he's just an amazing player or was an amazing player was that when I was about seven years old, my friend invited me to go and meet Jerry Rice. And I th- at the time, I had no idea who this guy was. So I was like, okay, um, I'm going to look him up on the, on the internet. Um, so I, I looked him up, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy is like a, like really good. I was pretty savvy for a seven-year-old. So what I did was I, I took these cards, and I was like, all right, you know, one day he's going to be worth a lot of money. So I took like seven or eight cards, and I was like, I'm going to have him sign all of them. And there were these random cards with like nothing on them related to football. So they probably are worth like nothing today. But I went up to him and I was like, hey, Jerry, like, it's really nice to meet you. This, guy, this guy's hand grabbed my whole forearm. <laughs> and I was really nervous because I'd never had someone grab my forearm like that. <laughs> so I, I saw him and I was like, hey, like, could you sign all six of these or seven of these? And he was like, he looked at me, he just giggled. He was like, why? And I was like, well, I want to give them to my friends at school. Meanwhile, I was, I was planning my diabolical plan to make like 75 <laughs> bucks when I was 20. So, <laughs> so I got all of these, all these autographs together. And then I went to school, and this is actually the best part. This is the best part of the story. Um, my, this kid in my class was like, oh, I want to make a trade. He was trying to, so the kid that brought me to actually meet Jerry Rice had cards as well. And he was like, okay. He was trying to make a deal with another kid to get a, a signed Joe Montana football. Obviously, the kid that was trying to trade this football away had no idea what he was doing because he was getting fleeced completely. So <laughs> meanwhile, I was like, okay, I kind of want this Joe Montana ball. I know this is worth a lot. So I took it. I, I took the deal instead. I, like, I went behind the guy's back that took me, which is another bad move on my part. So I ended up getting the Joe Montana signed football for this like really worthless-looking Jerry Rice card. And I brought it home, and my dad is like, where did this football come from? This is worth like $700. And I'm like, I traded it for this, those Jerry Rice cards I got. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, dude, 
you have to send that back right now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like I really don't want to. So I tried to give it back to the kid, and the kid refused. He refused to take back. I was like, yeah, my dad said it's worth more. I can't, I can't, I can't keep it. Like he won't let me. And the kid was like, no, nah, no give backs. And I was like. I went home with it, and I was like, "Dad, like he wouldn't take it back." And he was like, "All right, sucks for that kid then." <laughs> so I still have it to I still have it to this day. Um, so that's kind of why Jerry Rice is my favorite player. A cool little story. Um, but beyond that, what uh, what's yours, Christian? I know you have also have your favorite player as well. Yeah, so mine's also Eli. It's just hard when to pick anyone else when a guy has not missed a game to injury in 15 years. I mean, it's so hard to remember what any other Giants quarterback was like at this point. Right. And yeah. and plus the, the iconic drives in the Super Bowls, you couldn't ask for more. Uh, you know, you said you were freaking out. I actually, that pass to Plexico, I did a front flip and thought I broke my tailbone. So <laughs> a front I'm, flip? Yeah. Didn't land it. <laughs> Have you ever done a front flip? Just on trampolines. That was the first, first hard floor front flip, and I thought I broke my ass, man. <laughs> Well, that's a good way. That's a good way to to cap off a, a Giants victory, man. That's that's a great story. <laughs> that's awesome! Wow, yeah. I feel like everyone. I want to hear like other people's stories. Like, what were they doing right the second that Plasco caught that touchdown pass, or David Tyree caught that pass, or Mario Manningham caught that along the sidelines? Like, what was their reaction? Did they do a backflip and break their face? A front flip, break their tailbone, pass out out of their chair? Like, that's kind of the things I want to hear about from people. We'll have to bring on some people next time. Um, and see, you know, who, like, what their reactions were to some of these things. So that's like, there's some cool stuff there. Um, okay, so Anthony, what's what's the next on the list? Uh, it's our least favorite player of all time. Mine is Eric Flowers. I'll never forget watching that draft and just seeing all the buzz on Twitter before the draft happened, where Jerry Reese is like in love with Eric Flowers, and I'm just like, no, God, please don't do it. I just did not want that guy no matter what, and they ended up doing it anyway. And then Todd Gurley was the next pick, and I'm like, are you kidding me? We could have had Todd Gurley, and I was just fuming. And then, of course, he ends up being the starting left tackle for the Giants for, like, what, the next three years? And, you know, just being the worst offensive tackle in the NFL. So that dude is just, he represents a lot of bad memories for me. Yeah, Eric Flowers is, I don't don't even want to, and he was mine too. I'm not gonna lie. Like I think we could all, as Giants fans, come together and agree on this one thing because I know <laughs> nobody actually likes to agree on anything on Twitter. So if there's anything that we can all agree on is that Eric Flowers is the most hated player of all time. And I, I honestly don't know. Like I hate Jerry Reese equally for like keeping him on the field based on his pride. Like it was clearly a pride move to just continue playing this guy until like they just beat him, beat us. They honestly hurt us. Like they. They probably lost plenty of ticket sales trying to, you know, force development this guy, and um, it, it was it's really sad to see you know how a general manager can affect a team, um, and not just cut ties. That's kind of why I like what Gettleman did with Patrick Omame. The deal, you know, was five, I think it was three years, fifteen million dollars, and he just cut him after week five. He was like, this guy is terrible. He is not what I thought he was going to be, and you know they just cut him and, and, and let it go. I know doing that for a first-round pick is not as simple, but they, they did start him for, what, two, three years until they figured out that he was awful? Like, <laughs> we were, like Eli Manning, I'm sure, is, like, waking up sweating every night just, like, thinking about it. <laughs> um, but who, who's yours, Christian? Who, who's your uh, your worst, I guess, your least favorite player? 
Oh, well, I hate to agree about everything here, but how can it not be Flowers? I mean, it's pretty bad when on draft day the analysts are trying so hard to find something nice about you. I mean, they're, they're pretty good about complimenting everybody, and then Flowers comes up, and they're like, oh, boy. <laughs> but they even said, you know, this guy is going to need some work. He's not ready to play yet. And, yes, I, I agree. It was totally a self-preservation move to – I, I bet they were forcing the coaching staff to play this kid. And, yeah, he, he wrecked plenty of games. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very happy that he's on the other side now. Oh, so happy he's on the Redskins. That makes me honestly like he's going to be their starting right tackle, I think, right? I mean, I think left tackle. Are you serious? That's I hope so. That's such good news. Oh I think God. Trent, Trent Williams How are you going to develop Haskins? Yeah, Trent, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, Haskins is destroyed. He I, can't move. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he couldn't move before. Now he's literally can't. Like, he's paraplegic at this point. Like, <laughs> and doesn't he already wear a leg brace, and now he's got Eric Flowers' as left tackle? Oh, my God, yeah. I feel bad for Haskins. That's probably why. I, actually, that was before they they uh, they signed Flowers, right? Like, he was drafted before they signed Flowers. He probably, and you saw his face when he got drafted by the Redskins. Like, he was disappointed, like like really disappointed and then they probably he lost his left tackle and then they and they just they signed eric flowers oh my god i can't imagine being haskins probably like why like landon collins is like no no he's like <laughs> he's like he's like telling everyone he's like oh guys like this guy he's gonna ruin everything for us he's like a cancer <laughs> oh man that's great i i love giving our bad players to nfc east rivals it just makes my makes my makes my day yeah it's phenomenal um, okay, so the last one is our favorite player on the Giants. No, um, favorite game. Favorite game. Okay. Favorite Giants game of all time. Mm, okay. So, yeah. You go? It's easy to go with the Super Bowls, but for me, it's the game that got us into the Super Bowl, that conference championship game in San Francisco. Damn it, man. That was mine. Yeah. That game <laughs> is just such an Eli Manning classic. That is the Eli Manning game to me. That dude just got assaulted that game. He was just on the ground every play. I'll never forget when he stood up with his chin chin pad on his nose and his shoulder pad hanging out, and he calls a timeout like nothing just happened. And it was just so cool, and he just totally carried us into the Super Bowl. In Dude, that, that game, that game alone gave him CTE. I swear, <laughs> that game alone was was enough to to haunt him forever. I'll never forget watching him get help, and his eyes just like looking one direct, both looking different directions, and him just like calling timeout and just he'd be like, just kick the field goal, guys, just kick the field goal. He's uh, that guy is a warrior, though. I have to say, like that, watching him do that really proved to me that like Eli was a special player. Yeah, that was that was a great one. My favorite was in 2011. It was the win in your in game against Dallas, week oh, 17. That was my second one. God. <laughs> and Cruz just went off, man. He d- he went for that out route, and then Brandon Carr tried grabbing him, and then he just hit the sideline for like 60 yep, yards. I remember that. And I watched that game with a bunch of Cowboys fans. They just started leaving because they knew what was going to happen. <laughs> when Eli gets his his hands around your neck, man, he just he just keeps squeezing. <laughs> um, no, but I think I'm not sure if it was the same game. I think it was a different game. But the game where JPP blocked a punt. Uh, sorry, that was blocked, the first blocked, Dallas game. That yeah, he blocked a field goal against um, Dallas, and. Um, I think that, honestly, I think Tony Romo fumbled the snap a little bit, and then it was like a late kick or something, and he blocked it. Or I don't remember exactly what happened, 
but I remember just my reaction was I felt so good knowing that we beat Dallas in like a bit. It was it was a good important. Was it an important game? I don't. Oh, remember. it was. Yeah, it was. Okay, so it was an important game, as all Dallas games are, um, and I think it was in Dallas too. Yeah, it was. so JPP blocking that just really just I'll never forget that just that picture in my head, mm-hmm. seeing that. Uh, but I think that's honestly probably my third favorite game I, you guys hit on the two i was thinking of so uh, i guess we're all on the same page today well, it was a great year it was yeah, a great year honestly. awesome year such such good stuff going on and i think we have a lot to look forward to in the future especially with daniel jones this, this kid uh, despite being booed at yankee stadium i think like that was ridiculous but he has so much potential and his, his ability to manage the media is really what impressed impresses me the most and Something that I think is very underrated, and, and he's going to show us why, you know, staying in the staying in the in the back in the dark is a good thing, especially in New York, because people just rip rip players for no reason, you know. And like Daniel Jones got booted at a Yankees game for what? He hasn't even taken a snap yet, and and now we have to come and go and defend him, and, and I imagine how he feels. Like he's probably like going home. Like I just got booed nationally, <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't even done anything yet. So, like, that's just New York for you. Like, he's got to be able to manage that, and I think that's kind of what he's going to learn from Eli Manning. Yeah, definitely. Eli's going to help him with that. Eli is the best at that. Yeah, he almost seems like the, the second coming of Eli, plus with legs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> with legs, yes, yes. Minus the wheelchair. <laughs> You're right. Um, all right, so that's going to be it for today, guys. Thanks for listening, as always, and thanks to Anthony and Christian, my two co-hosts. And uh, check us in next week. Again, we're going to go over some more stuff as we get closer to training camp and just you know start to really dive into the specifics and what's going on. So we'll keep you guys up to, up to date with everything. Thank you.